Hello and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We pray that as you listen to this message, it helps you grow closer to God and inspires you to live like Jesus. Thanks for listening. Here's the message. Have y'all loved our summer series called Kingdom Worship? Has it impacted you? Has it encouraged you? Has it broadened your knowledge on what the kingdom worship is supposed to look like? I I hope you've gained a greater understanding and a greater awareness of what worship in the kingdom is all about. Last week, uh, Pastor Ethan kicked us off on a seven-word study on the Hebrew words for praise based off the Old Testament. and um, So he talked about halal, Zamar and not tequila, tequila. Okay. Now, Pastor Ethan, you know, he'll be joking around singing and it's still like better than anything I've ever heard. And then he sits on the piano and leads us and makes everybody cry. And you don't get that from me this week, okay? So I do want to continue our conversation with uh, the four that are left out of the seven this morning, if that'd be okay. And, and I really believe that if we will lean into the scriptures and discover um, uh, how the Hebrew people would give God praise, I really believe that it'll transform the worship culture of this house. Uh, and maybe the way you praise and the way that you worship God Maybe the way that you praise God in church is something you've been taught by not necessarily the word, but it's how your denomination taught you to worship or not worship. Maybe you're just uh, committed to your comfort during worship. So we just stand there with our hands in our pockets and a little head bob and foot tap and Lord knows my heart. You know, maybe you've never been taught that the specific postures or gestures are even relevant, or are even a relevant consideration for your praise or for your worship. But here's what I know. I want the Lord from this house specifically, week in and week out, to receive praise from this house, the kind of praise he's worthy of. Amen. I I want us to cultivate a culture of worship and praise that honors God, that glorifies God, that liberates people to praise him freely. And I think that as we we read through the text, I think we'll discover that the Lord actually responds to the praises of his people. Worship is an, it's an intimate thing, but, but I can't help but wonder, um, as this house commits itself to praising him in the, manny, in the manner he's worthy of, come on, Mark, talk, words come to me, <laughs> golly, you know, what, what will happen if this house will worship him, not distracted, not insecurely, not, not weighed down by guilt and shame? not um, apathetically, not lacking focus, thinking about everything I gotta do after church. Or, uh, but th- we're talking about praise even outside of Sunday morning, right? What would happen if, if we gave him praise, not, not praising him based on our personality, right? But, but as we posture ourselves physically, as we posture our hearts appropriately, I honestly believe that we will encounter and experience God in greater ways that, than we ever have. And, and, and I just like... If, if you know the Lord, if you're a Jesus follower, if you love God, we need to develop a hunger and a desperation for the presence of God. Amen. Like, I, like we're hungry and, and we're thirsty. And, and the word says those who hunger and thirst will be filled. I love as we look back into the Old Testament, you have Moses who has this intimate connection with the Lord. 
has this really unique relationship with God as he mediates for the people of Israel. And he goes into the tent of meeting and it's like everyone pops their head out of their tents as Moses disappears into the tent, into the tent and, and converses and communes with God. But I wanna eavesdrop on one of those conversations here uh, because it speaks to the desperation to which I believe we're called to carry as believers. It says this, Exodus 33. Moses says to the Lord, if it is true that you look favorably on me, let me know your ways so I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. He's saying, Lord, if there's more of you, I want it. I want to understand who you are in its fullness. God, all of you, I want to encounter all of you. I want to know all of you. I give, Father, I want to understand you more fully and experience you in more ways and enjoy you in more ways. He says, let me know your ways so I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. And remember that this nation is your very own people. The Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. Then Moses said, he, he snaps back. He says, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. God, if, if your presence isn't there, I don't want to be there. If your presence isn't going to come with us, then don't send us. We don't want to go because there's one thing that takes priority. There's one thing we're hungry for. There's one thing that is above every other thing, and it's you. I need your presence, God. The conversation continues. It says, how will anyone know that you look favorably on me, on me and your people, if you don't go with us? But then this is the key. He says, for your presence, say presence, for your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all the other people on earth. Layman's terms, your presence changes everything. There, when we encounter your presence, there's something that shifts in us. It, there's something that changes us eternally. Your presence changes everything. It's what sets us apart. Then the Lord replied to Moses, I will indeed do what you have asked for I look favorably on you, and I know you by name. So there's this desperation in Moses. God, you gotta come. God, if there's more of you, I wanna experience you. God, how will, God, how, how will we be set apart if we don't have you? God, I need you, and I want more of you. And the Lord says, well, I look favorably on you, and I know you by name. I know you intimately. There's this intimate relationship that God doesn't desire to just have with Moses. He wants it with you. God said, I will indeed do what you have asked for. I look favorably on you and I know you by name. And Moses responded, then show me your glorious presence. Then take me deeper, Lord. All that you are, I want to encounter. I want to know. I'm hungry and thirsty. I don't even know what it looks like. Man, I don't know. Are things different in the New Testament? I don't even know. I don't even care. God, whatever you're willing to do, I want to experience. I want to encounter your presence. I'm hungry for it. I'm desperate for it. Moses says it's your presence that sets your people apart from the other people on earth. Maybe part of the reason the church in these days looks so much like the world is because we're not having genuine and authentic encounters with the presence of the Lord that are leaving us changed. Maybe, I don't know. But I, I, I think it's time. What I know 
is the Lord responds to the desperation and the Lord responds to the praises of his people. As I look through the scriptures, I continuously see there is this correlation between praise and his presence. I think it's time the heart cry of Destiny Church became, Lord, show us your glorious presence. If there's more of you, we want more of you. And again, as I read through the text, praise is one of those things that ushers us into the presence. So I'm gonna pray and then um, a preach. Does that sound okay? Father, we love you so much. Uh, So grateful to be in your house. I'm grateful. I, I really consider it a privilege to communicate your word, to preach your word, that you've entrusted me to do this every week. I pray I do it uh, powerfully and effectively that people would be moved and encouraged till the soil of our hearts, help it to be fertile ground to receive the seed of your truth, the seed of your word. Help us to not just hear this word, help us to apply it, help us to be transformed by it, cultivate us to be a company of kingdom people. God, we wanna know more of you. We don't just want to listen to these things. We want to live it out. And I pray this church would continue to foster kids in Jesus' name. Amen. My family has this incredible, um, really powerful family tradition to, uh, we call it 10 nice things. And so whether it's a birthday, sometimes we'll do it on Father's and Mother's Day too. But the whole gist of, of the tradition is if it's your birthday, we circle up around the table, around a meal, or in the living room, and we highlight that one person. So everyone in the circle tells that one person everything they love about them, okay? So as you can imagine, it's, uh, we've done this for years. So there would be times where like you got a, one of my sister's newer boyfriends or something is like sitting in the circle and everybody's crying and pouring out their heart and they're like, how do I get out of here? A- Abigail, the first time she did it, almost had a panic attack. It was, it, was, uh, it, was a sad, it was a sad thing, but it was meaningful. And, but, but it's funny because, you know, what starts is kind of awkward and there's this tension as we just celebrate this one person and tell them all the uh, intimate details of everything that we love about them. It's so interesting because it happens every time as you start to pour out this encouragement, as you start to express your love and adoration for this person, it's, it's almost like the heaviness lifts and the awkwardness lifts and it's like then the tears kind of start to flow and then joy floods in and it's a powerful time of encouragement where it's like, why are we going to wait till our funerals to say all the nice things about each other? Why don't we recognize it right now? And there's been moments where sitting in that circle, as you hear the encouragement, it's like things in me come back to life. And I remember who God's created me to be. It's powerful. It's so powerful. I had to steal a clip of us secretly filming my dad doing this. Okay. So I think it's either my mom's birthday or it's Mother's Day. I wasn't quite sure, but my little sister, uh, she snuck this. She didn't know that, uh, he didn't know that she was filming, but she snuck a video, and I'm glad we have it for the years to come. Uh, So you guys want to see it? Okay, check out this video.
A bald guy with muscles, a Harley Davidson tattoo, right? Isn't holding back from the tears, from the expression, from the words of encouragement. Really, all you're seeing take place in this video is one human taking time to praise another human. Notice that if there weren't to be the tears if there weren't to be the expression, if there weren't to be the intimate details of what really exists in the heart, but he just said, I'm really glad we've been married together for 30 years. Would it be as intimate? Would the praise be as, as, as authentic and genuine? I, I love my mom too. And I cry when I have to say nice things about her. I'm just not on camera doing it. <laughs> but if humankind can show this type of adoration and praise towards one another. And we're imperfect human beings with flaws and mistakes. How much more praise, how much more adoration, how much more affection, how much more expression, how much more tears, how much more does the perfect God of the universe, the creator of heaven and earth, the God who loved you and me so much, he sent his one and only son, the God who never leaves you or forsakes you, the God who provides every need, the God who sets you free, the God who gifted you salvation, the God who holds the whole world in his hands how much more worthy is he yet we can't get our hands out of our pockets are you kidding me why is the church so scared of expression why we're, we're paranoid we're paranoid that emotionalism is manipulation and we tell ourselves these stupid lies that uh, I, I shouldn't cry or I don't need to raise my hands or dance or express myself. I don't want to be a distraction. I don't want to be over emotional and manipulate a false or artificial encounter with God. And I call bluff. He's been good. He's worthy. If some of us praised and adored our kids the way we did God, they probably wouldn't even think that we loved them. I know that's harsh, but can we recognize his goodness? I read this wildly uh, interesting article while I was studying this week that talked about the psychological connection between our physical expression, physical posture, and our emotions and our feelings. And I know that that word feelings has almost caught this negative connotation in the church, like faith over feelings, ignore your feelings. God doesn't feel anything, you shouldn't either. You know, like that's what it's turned into. And so we're familiar with the idea that 
the physical echoes the emotional in the sense of I stub my toe, I yell and I cry, I, I express my pain physically. I'm hurt, I, I cry, I'm mad, I, I scream or whatever. But the point of the article is in the same way the physical echoes the emotional, the article makes the argument just based on some of the studies that we can actually get our emotional to echo our physical so our physical can lead us into a place that we are not yet emotionally. Our physical posture or expression can alter what we're feeling in a moment. You, you can change the way you feel based on, this is what the article is communicating, based on uh, how you hold your body. You can change your brain chemistry and the actions you take or don't take. The same article said this, direct quote, uh, a, a guy named David Havis gave people instructions to contract specific muscles, and the muscles that he had them contract were used in smiling. When the participants contracted those muscles, they had a hard time generating a feeling of anger. So if I sit there and do this, <laughs> it's really hard for me to feel angry, you know? When he instructed them to contract the muscles that are used when you frown, the participants had a hard time feeling friendly or happy. And, and, and so the point is our physical and our spiritual parts are connected in such a way that our actions can change our hearts, our, our emotions and, and affect our, and our emotions can affect our actions. Our divine design, really what I'm trying to communicate is our divine design on how we express adoration, how we, how we love one another, how we feel and how we move. Those, those two things are deeply connected. It's our divine design. It's the way that God's made us. And, and so it's like, I don't know why, uh, you know, in, in, our, in our fear of expression in the church, in our praise, I think in a lot of ways, maybe we've sucked the intimacy out of some of that relationship with God. We've feared some of our emotions and our feelings, but that's a part of our intimacy with the Lord. And maybe there's a place for some of that. Maybe there's a place for my physical expression and maybe my physical posture does have some sort of significance in my praise and in my relationship with the Lord. You know, I'm not, I'm not just trying to push a charismatic agenda here on the church, um, but I, I just wonder if some of us, we don't understand the importance or the significance of our posture and that, you know, um, uh, we don't understand the significance of physically expressing our praise to God and all that makes way for in our relationship with him. Or maybe we just don't really believe he's worthy of that kind of praise. I don't know. But as, as we look into these four Hebrew words for praise, I really believe, like as, as we lean in, I think we're gonna be liberated in our spirits um, to uh, offer praises unashamed, uh, undistracted, unhindered, and, and more importantly, we're gonna offer him the praises that he sure is worthy of. And so the first word that I wanna break down that we see used often in the Old Testament is called yada. Everybody say yada. Everyone put your hands in the air and say, God is good. Come on, y'all can do it. That wasn't that bad. That wasn't that bad, was it? Yada, let's look at the definition. To lift the hands and throw them forward while making a confession about God's greatness and giving thanks, praise, and acknowledgement. Yada. 
Is the Lord good? Come on, has the Lord been good to you? Sometimes the only appropriate response is, God, I just praise you. Father, I acknowledge your goodness. We can't be so scared to raise our hands when, when this is something even the Hebrew people would do. Let's look at Psalm 63, 1 through 5. It says, you, God, are my God, and I earnestly seek you. Back to that craving to know God, to encounter God, to have deeper intimacy, a better relationship with God, to know God more. I earnestly seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you, the psalmist writes, in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name, I will yada. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. Psalm 107 says, let them praise. Your translation might say, give thanks, uh, depending on which one you're reading. But really it says, let them yada the Lord for his great love and for the wonderful things he has done for them. We see this word yada is uh, even in Genesis 29. You have Leah who gives birth to Judah, right? And after she gives birth to Judah in Genesis 29, it says that her only response was she yadad. I don't think that's how you say it, but you know what I mean. <laughs> she raised her hands and she praised God. Yada is an outward expression that is a response to the goodness of God. And, and honestly, in Christ Jesus, knowing what he's done for us on the cross, knowing what he's done as he's removed the penalty of sin from you and me, and, and, and there's that, but, but every, even the small details, what, what, the, the, everything that he's blessed you with, all the goodness that is contained in him, Ephesians tells us every spiritual blessing is received in Christ Jesus. There, there's things he's done in the physical. There's more he's done in the spiritual that we don't even know about. You know, that I think we're gonna be blown away once we understand on an even greater level, but we all have a reason to yada. You know, I think about that story. Dad shared it on a, a Father's Day when we were eating chicken wings together. I, I've shared it from stage two, but when my oldest sister finally went through the breakup that she needed to and, and, and had a struggle, had a stronghold there, had a hard time getting out, and then when she told my parents she finally broke up and my dad was butt naked in his room praising God with his hands raised, and, and she walked into the room and, ah, she said, yada, only because she was scared, you know. But <laughs> she's like, ah. Oh, man. But he's so good. Sometimes you can't help. He was in the middle of changing and said, I can't even wait. I just got to give him praise. He had a reason. It was God who healed your body. It was God who allowed you to provide for your loved ones. It was God who carried you through the darkest moment of your life. It was God who provided you your children. It was God that led you to a new friend group. It was God that laid the foundations of the earth. I think Ryan Psalm said his majesty can't even be measured. He's worthy of our yada. How can we recognize, see, and feel his goodness but come into a room week after week with our hands in our pockets? It's about time we release the praise that he was worthy of. Right?
I just think we need to get to a place where the days of, that's not my personality, and that's not the kind of church I was raised in are over, because those things, those things don't change that he's worthy. Amen. In this house, we will freely, joyfully, passionately raise our hands and praise God rightly. Amen. Everybody say, yada. Okay. Number two. You guys are fun. Number two. Toda. Toda. So it's uh, from the same root word as yada, but it means this, an extension of the hands in thanksgiving for what God has done, so recognizing his goodness, recognizing that he's worthy, but it's also a sacrifice of praise for things not yet received. Your packets write it like this. It's derived from yada, to lift hands, but more specifically, the raising of hands in praise as sacrifice of the flesh in thanksgiving. So David writes this in the Psalms. He says, I trust in God, so why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? I will fulfill my vows to you, O God. I will offer a sacrifice of todah for your help. David is praising God and thanking God for the help that he has not yet received. But in expectation, he's postured himself to receive all that God has. So to really dumb this down and make it simple, yada is outward. Toda is, is almost this inward thing of, Lord, come and do what only you can do. Um, which gives us uh, the reason and removes the excuse of like, man, things just aren't that good. It's just hard to praise God right now. I don't really feel like praising God. Every season, it's appropriate to praise God. Amen? Amen. Yada, hands raised as an outward expression of thanks. Toda, hands raised in a posture ready to receive that which is not yet. Toda is recognizing the provision of the Lord and praising him for it before I see it. So even though my kid's still out there acting a fool, God, I'm believing you to turn him home to you. God, I'm believing for revival to take place in their heart. I'm believing that you're true to your word. Those who were raised in the ways of the Lord will not turn from it when they're older. Um, God, I'm uh, I'm praising you for delivering me from the addiction, even though the battle still seems to exist. God, I believe that you're setting me free. I believe that you're doing something, Lord, even though I'm, I'm praying for the restoration, I don't see it yet. I'm believing that it's taking place. It's this posture of expectation. God, I'm ready to receive that which is not yet. Todah starts, Todah praise starts with recognizing what God has already done, but it remains expectant for what he will do. Amen? So maybe you find yourself, you're in a season where you need to extend those hands in faith with expectation in your heart. God, I'm believing for you to turn it around, and I believe you will, and you're the only one who can. God, come and do what only you can do. Um, okay, so we have yada, Todah, third word. Shabak, Shabak. Pastor Mark does a lot of Shabak. To shout <laughs> loudly in triumph, praise and glory. Everyone say, God is good. good. Y'all are good at that one too. Say, God is faithful. Psalm 41 or Psalm 47 1 says, Come, everyone, clap your hands, Shabak to God with a joyful praise. Shout to God. 
Are, are you starting to see that worship uh, with genuine expression, excitement, expectation, joy, passion, zeal, enthusiasm is actually biblical? It's not just a Pentecostal thing. It's biblical. This is how they would worship God. My heart grieves for those who think they'll offend God or distract God's people if they show any sort of physical expression. Just shout, God is good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Isaiah 12, 6 says, Let all the people of Jerusalem shout his praise with joy, for the great is the Holy One of Israel who lives among you. Shabbat, the last word, is Barak, Barak. And this one's different than those, yet it's still a physical posture. You can see where uh, this, these, these words, uh, to praise God, it is a heart thing, and we've talked about that. But I think to fully express the fullness of our adoration, to fully live in the intimacy that God desires with those that he loves, uh, we, our expression is significant. Barak means to bow down, to kneel, to bend low in order to show submission, reverence, or humility, to bring oneself low before a king. If we're going to be a company of kingdom people, we have to be humble, right? And, and, and so uh, when we look at Psalm 95, we see this, verses 6 through 7. It says, come, let us worship in Barak. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. We are the people he watches over, the flock under his care. Barak is me putting myself in a position, kneeling before my king. If we're gonna be a company of kingdom people, we gotta, we gotta be humble at saying, God, I gotta become less. You gotta become more. Yeah. I've mentioned this um, times before, but we see in the scripture, the scriptures tell us Jesus knew Jesus understood he had all authority in heaven and on earth. And the very next thing he does is wash his disciples' feet. Jesus is our example of humility. Jesus gave up his divine privileges is what the scriptures teach us to come and be a human. He, he's our example. One of, one of the ways that we can ensure that we're being humble before the Lord, if we want to express that humble gratitude, if we want to express, God, I really want it to be about you. I really want you to be more, right? We, we can sit on our knees. We can barack and, and we can get on our knees to express to the Lord, you're high and lifted up. There's no other name like your name. The word, and the word tells us time and time again that God responds powerfully to humility. In fact, he says, if you humble yourself, I'll exalt you. But if you exalt yourself, I'm gonna humble you. And I say this every time, but I'd rather humble myself than have God humble me, amen? <laughs> He's more powerful than I am, you know what I mean? And here's the reality. Who Jesus is and what Jesus has done is the one thing that we can really only boast about. Because you and me, we ain't all that good. <laughs> you know, like every good thing in you is God. You've been graced. Every, every, good, every good gift you have, every, every good trait, uh, it's God. And every crappy part is you, okay? That's it. 
you know, there was, um, there was a time where, before we had kids, Abigail and I were living in an apartment, and she fell asleep. I had these two Bluetooth speakers. They're like my prayer speakers. And, you know, I, at this point in my life, I have really bad back pain, my L5 and my S1, and I can't, I can't bend down to tie my shoes. Abigail has to help me put my socks on every day, has to help me put my shoes on. Like, even just getting dressed, my pain is, is that bad. It's constant. I can't lift my right leg higher than this. Constant, like, sciatic pain. And, and there was those fears of, like, am I going to be in this kind of pain for the rest of my life? Is it going to be this bad? I got all the shots. I went to chiropractors, wasn't experiencing relief, and it was just like, but I remember there was a night where um, I just took some time to be in prayer, got on my knees and just started talking with the Lord and communing with the Lord, seeking the Lord, praying. And uh, after I got up, I noticed that my body was pain-free. And I was like, I just got healed. Like I just got healed. So I wake up, so I wake up Abigail and I'm crying because I can't believe that I've just been touched. I'm bending down, I can touch my toes, I can lift my leg and touch my toe. I'm like, this is unbelievable. I wake up Abigail, she, uh, uh, I'm going back to bed, you know? And uh, I actually think I called my parents and said, God just healed me, like I have no pain in my back. So I hung up and I wake up the next morning and the pain's back. <laughs> I'm like, oh. And I know you got to be careful. I, I know you got to be careful sharing stuff like this from stage. So I, I'm just saying this is what I believe took place, okay? So take it for what it's worth. But I think that as I postured myself lowly before him, as I sat in his presence and communed with him, the nearness of his presence, my body couldn't help but be well with, with that nearness to his presence. That's what I believe. And, you know, for me, it, it all goes back to this idea of stewarding an intimate relationship with the Lord because I think he desires that relationship with all of us. The scriptures tell us that the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. It's our praise in its many forms. And we know there's all different, whether it's shouting a hallelujah, whether it's kneeling, whether it's raising our hands, uh, whether it's just shouting God is good, praise in its many forms, I think is one of the many things that ushers in the presence of God. It's our praise that expresses our love and affection for the God that has so loved us, who, who created us to be in relationship with him. He doesn't want robots. He wants relationship. He tell, yeah, every need you have, like every request you have, bring it to me. That's what he says. No, 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 don't be anxious. I care about how you feel. He, he cares about how we feel. And again, I know, I know we gotta be careful that, you know, faith over feelingness. Like, like I said, faith over feelingness. Faithfulness over feelings. And I get it. I don't want my feelings to be my compass. But God does care about how you feel, though. And Jesus felt things. As Jesus walked into Jerusalem, he, he wept over Jerusalem. As Jesus was in the garden praying, there was lots of emotions that he was experiencing. God says, don't be anxious. Turn your anxious thoughts into prayers, and I'll give you peace that uh, covers your heart and your mind. God wants relationship with us. So this might seem silly. I thought about going back and forth. Ah, should I talk about it again? I don't know, because it could be slightly offensive, but um, I'll go ahead. I'll, I'll go ahead. 
So, um, again, I, I, I think we're, you know, I, I think we've, are, are, you know, right, we want to have faith over feelings, and uh, we want to ignore our feelings, and, uh, but honestly, it's like, I, I think we need to be okay with expressing ourselves physically and expressing ourselves emotionally for a God that's as good as the God that we serve, right? Um, so in that article that I read earlier, there was another quote where the article took some time to talk about the effects of Botox, okay? Where's all my wrinkle-free people in the room? Come on. <laughs> no one raised their hand last service either, so that's okay. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So she's like, I'm unashamed in this place. Amen. I love it. So check this out. I, th- I thought this was interesting. It says, Botox is a popular cosmetic procedure to reduce facial wrinkles. And here's what happens with Botox. Botox is injected into various muscles, for instance, in the face, and it paralyzes the muscles, thereby causing the wrinkles to relax. It's been known for a while that one of the side effects of Botox treatments are that people can't fully express their emotions. For example, they can't move the muscles that would show them they were angry or even unhappy. New research shows that one of the side effects is the opposite. People who have Botox injections can't feel emotions as well either. And and it goes on to explain why. If you can't move your muscles to make a facial expression, you can't feel the emotion that goes with that expression. So if you haven't recently, so if you have recently received a Botox injection and you go to a movie that is sad, you'll not feel as sad because you won't be able to move the muscles in your face that go with feeling sad. And then they conclude this thought with this, moving muscles and feeling emotions are linked. And so maybe this is silly, but I kind of felt like the Holy Spirit like pricked my heart a little bit is maybe in the church we've experienced a little, a little Botox praise where we've been paralyzed. And obviously it's not, you know, actually Botox, but, but other things having that same effect. Maybe we've come in here with shame so heavy, we haven't felt like we're actually worthy to give God that praise. We've come in here with guilt over what's happened the night before that I haven't actually given God the praise that he's worthy of. Praise ain't about you though, right? Maybe I've come in uh, uh, too scared that people know who I am and, and we went to school together, so if I praise, I'll be feel like a hypocrite. Or maybe I come in and I'm too worried about the opinions of people, or maybe I'm unwilling to give God the praise he's worthy of because I've just convinced myself that's not my personality. There's some sort of blockage that's paralyzed our expression. Therefore, we haven't experienced the fullness of what God intends in a moment of praise. Worship team, you can come. I should have called you way earlier. But as crazy as it sounds, these postures are invitations for his presence to be felt and to be experienced. And I want this house to be a place where he can be freely worshiped. Amen? Amen. Would you stand to your feet? Uh, We can cut the lights down. You know, last couple of weeks, we've taken time to talk about these words about praise, where we're praising him with instruments and with song. Uh, You know, we've talked about praising him with a shout, praising him with hands raised, humbling ourselves before the Lord, praising him with our submission, bowing him at his feet. I just wanted to take some time to praise God however we felt fit. 
Maybe you're in a season waiting on God with expectation, lifting those hands. God, I'm believing. God, I'm recognizing your goodness in the waiting. Maybe uh, you know the Lord's been good to you. Last year, he's been good to the business that you started. You stepped out in faith. He's, you, you've seen your kid growing in the Lord, whatever. You just want to give him praise. Come on, let's talk about how Jesus has taken all our sin. Amen. That's a pretty big deal, right? That he's made way for us, that he's given us new life, that he's deposited his spirit in us. We all have a reason to praise. So these altars are open. I want to invite this whole room, however you see fit, can we just take a moment to give God the praise that he's worthy of? Father, we recognize your goodness. We set our hearts on you right now, Lord. You're so worthy of our praise. You're so worthy of our adoration. God, we just speak to anything that would hinder us worshiping you rightly, Father. We bind it up in the name of Jesus and ask that uh, this room would be liberated to worship you freely, to give you the praise you're worthy of, to recognize your goodness. I, pr I pray that you would bring things into our hearts and into our minds, things that are praiseworthy, things that are good and holy, uh, remembering your faithfulness, remembering your goodness. Take us there, Lord. And, and, and I pray that this place would give you praise that you would respond to in a powerful way. Spirit, come. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you'd like to learn more about Destiny Church, how to get connected, or give online, visit destinychurch.me. Have a great week.